Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Today on the show, we are going to feature two Gap Year alumni, Riley and Josiah, who both volunteered in natural disaster recovery with an organization called All Hands and Hearts. Julia, what did you learn from speaking with Riley and Josiah? Well, sadly, you know, opportunities in disaster relief are becoming increasingly common as we see the climate crisis playing out around the world. There are a lot of organizations that help with recovery, but one of my personal favorites is All Hands and Hearts because it's particularly suited to gap year students. Um, First of all, it's free to volunteer, which is very unique and super flexible as far as timing and length of time that you can spend on certain projects. And sometimes they'll actually even pay for your flights if it's a high need project. So I've had students get flights paid for to go to places like Puerto Rico and Texas um, and other places where they've had high need. Um, It's also incredibly well organized and they will train you on the skills you need to do um, to do the work that's needed on site as well. That sounds incredible. And I think also, you know, for students who might be looking for a lower cost gap year option, it sounds like it could be a really great fit. Um, Where all in the world do they operate? So it really depends on where the need is. They have these projects and they have a, a, a team that actually goes into these places and evaluates the need and sets up a project timeline. So depending on the year, it could vary as to where they're operating. Um, currently, as of you know February 2020, they have sites in Nepal, Texas, Florida, the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, Mozambique, Peru, and uh, they just recently opened up Australia um, as a place where they're going to be starting their wildfire relief as well. Wow, that is incredible. And I mean, yeah, obviously varying from year to year and definitely a a sad, for sad reasons, but um, sounds like a really impactful project. Yeah, it's amazing. And Riley and Josiah really um, help paint a picture of what it's like on site and what the work is like and also what they got out of it because it was an incredibly powerful experience for both of them. So it really hits the mark for people who are looking for meaningful volunteering that's flexible, that meets their needs, and that is also very, very affordable. That sounds amazing. I'm really excited to hear more. So thank you all for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about disaster relief volunteering. And we're going to speak with two people who have dedicated part of their gap time to volunteering with an organization called All Hands and Hearts. So All Hands and Hearts is a volunteer-powered disaster relief organization dedicated to rebuilding hope for people impacted by natural disasters. Basically, what that means is that when a natural disaster hits, All Hands and Hearts will go into local communities, ask them what kind of support they need, and provide them with volunteers to help with those needs. And that can be kind of secondary disaster relief and longer-term commitments to helping communities rebuild. So right now, All Hands and Hearts is active in the Philippines, and Peru, in Texas, Puerto Rico, Nepal, and Mozambique. And by the time you listen to this, if you listen to this six months after we record, there's probably going to be new places that they've added and other projects that have kind of wrapped up. So that's the nature of the of this work is that it's um, some of it is more temporary, some of it is more long term, and it's all really meaningful. Today, I'm joined with Riley Paiva and Josiah Johnson, both college students who volunteer with All Hands. Uh, Riley spent time in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Josiah spent three months in Puerto Rico to assist with uh, Hurricane Irma recovery. So welcome to you both. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. 
Yeah, awesome. So um, we have both. Both of you were have not do not know each other, correct? Like you haven't talked to each correct. other before today, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. I know. So, but you guys both are connected through the All Hands and Hearts kind of alumni network, in that you both have had experiences with uh, this disaster relief work. So, um, Josiah, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with All Hands and and where you were uh, dispatched to, and how just kind of a little overview of the experience for you? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I was kind of finishing up my senior year of high school and wanting, wanting to do a gap year and just was kind of appalled by the way that the U S was handling the Puerto Rico situation. And I'm, I believe that if you see something wrong and you don't do something about it, then you're kind of a part of the problem. And I, I wanted to be a part of the solution, I guess. Um, so I, I applied or I just Googled actually like hurricane relief work puerto rico um and after going down through a list of several of them which you all had to pay in order to apply which was kind of a red flag to me um i found all hands and hearts which uh a big part of what they do as i think you might have said is they take people who have no experience and then train them in order to then have experience and do the work and then teach people uh new people as they come and and that's something i really admire and loved about all hands. So then I applied and went to um, went to Puerto Rico and uh, Tobaja for uh, three months, and then went to North Carolina as well, actually for two and a half weeks. Wow, that's great. And we'll dig into that a little bit more about your individual experience. But in the meantime, Riley, what about you? What what brought you to All Hands and Hearts? Um, I had just finished up my freshman year of college uh, at a school that I did not find um, fitted for me quite so. Uh, and I was not ready to go back to college as I didn't know what I wanted to do or study or where I wanted to be. I was very lost. I was struggling with my mental health and I had a lot of people helping me to get back on my feet. And I really felt as though I needed to repay that and spend some time helping other people because I was given so much help uh, myself. So one of my doctors actually recommended All Hands and Hearts to me because she had a connection through her brother. And once I looked into it, I kind of knew that I definitely needed to do something like this. And it was the same thing as Josiah. I saw that I didn't have to pay, whereas a lot of other places I had to pay, which I thought would be a little bit more weird. So I committed to all hands um, and I just kind of randomly picked a base that was accepting people. So the Virgin Islands were accepting and I decided to send it out there for uh, get as much work done as I could. That's great. And one of the really neat things about All Hands and Hearts, as you both mentioned, is that it is free to volunteer with them, which is unique among programs that are open to, um, I guess we could call them unskilled, or you can come in as unskilled volunteers, and also that they're open to gap year students. So this is a, a really affordable option. On top of that, you both had the opportunity to have your flights paid for by Southwest, which is um, a really special partnership that All Hands and Hearts has with this uh, airline, um, at which will get their volunteers out to these areas that are in particularly high need. So at any given time of year, depending on the needs of different sites, they'll offer up free flights to kind of increase the amount of volunteers to kind of offer a carrot to get people more people involved. So um, how important was the ability to go someplace that where you didn't um, need to pay a high volunteer fee to both of you? Um, and either of you can just jump right in. Uh, it was super important to me. I didn't realize at first that I wouldn't be paying for flights, um, but I figured there would be some kind of cost in there at some point. 
And once I was emailing back and forth with um, some of the managers from All Hands, I got to figuring out that I didn't have to pay for flights. And it was a huge relief off my shoulders because I had currently been working five jobs in order to pay for these things that I was looking to accomplish throughout um, my gap time between schools. And learning that I didn't have to pay for flights really, really helped me um, relieve stress and kind of chill out with the working so much in order to pay for those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat. Uh, to discover that I didn't have to pay was um, was actually a, a major factor in, in going at all. I don't know that I would have been able to go. Well, I know I wouldn't have been able to go to Puerto Rico had I not had Southwest be able to pay for the flight. Um, I, yeah. I probably would have gone somewhere more domestic, possibly driven if I needed to. But mm -hmm. there isn't really any place around Minnesota. So even even just the idea, which is where I'm from. Uh, but even the idea of a volunteering kind of seemed like it would be just getting there alone seemed difficult financially. So the fact that you didn't have to pay to do it and that they would pay for your flight was uh, it's a dream come true, honestly. Yeah. So I'm really excited to hear about the your individual experiences because each base with all hands and hearts is a little bit different. The housing is a little bit different. Who tends to volunteer there is different. And obviously the work is different because they're in different stages of disaster relief. So um, Riley, when you uh, were down in, in the USVI, where were they in their level of disaster recovery and what were you doing down there? So we had different bases, uh, different sites. We had different sites that were doing different kinds of relief. Um, I started out on a rebuild site, which was really cool. So kind of final stages of after clearing out everything that was destroyed and recreating the building. Um, I was at a youth academy that specialized in after school care for kids, um, doing music programs and karate programs and that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but I also volunteered uh, at different housing sites where the houses were completely destroyed still and we needed to get all of the mold out, all of the broken furniture out and um, the walls down, the roof down. So when I was there, we were kind of transitioning into our final stages of rebuild from our recovery efforts. Um, the island was in pretty bad shape, as was St. John. And um, All Hands was on both islands at the time. And we, we really varied it from site to site on the kinds of work that we did. That's really interesting. And Josiah, what was it like for you? I mean, especially, like you said, the, the um, coverage about just the... Um, uh, let's see, how do I say this without cursing? But like, you know, just yeah. like the, the, the sheer amount of like... Uh, of, of, discombobulation that was going on in Puerto Rico at the time. What was that like seeing that in, in person? Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I think anyone that works with all hands can say with certainty that it's shocking, right? Like it's one thing to see it on the news, but it's another thing to experience it. And then on top of that, I was there at the year anniversary. I got there on either side of the year anniversary um and then obviously through it but it was to be there a year after the destruction had occurred from from both Irma and Hurricane Maria and to to still be like shoveling out like one of the last houses I worked on at the end of my three-month stint 
I was I was team leading and we were shoveling out like feet of like hardened mud and carrying out mattresses that like we were still mucking and gutting at that point. Um and that I think really spoke volumes about how the situation was being handled and and not only in kind of a a bad light for the people that were supposed to be helping with like FEMA and and the US government but also it spoke volumes about i guess the organization but more than that it spoke volumes about the people that were still living like that and the thing that astounded me through it all was like the perseverance that all of them had i think for sure yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, one of the other things is because the community is so involved in these these um, rebuild projects, as far as I understand it, like volunteers from the community will also come and work alongside you. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 So um, did did you meet people along the way? And are there any like kind of stories, like personal stories from people that you met that kind of stick out to you? Well, I, at, at, at my base in Toa was a satellite base. So there were only like 18 people there at one point. I think we had nine, mm-hmm. um, but it never went above 30. And we were we did, were sent specifically just to do like base level fixes. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing any like rebuilds like Riley was talking about. We did demos and muck and guts and base level fixes. And um, because of our the small size of our um, base we didn't have a lot of local workers i know a lot of other bases do that uh the bigger ones but Mm -hmm. we had uh homeowners who would oftentimes want to help and either by making us food or by by doing the work themselves and one homer who stands out the most was this woman who was either 76 or 86 she kept changing her age but (laughs) (laughs) she was an it was an an incredibly sassy old puerto rican woman who the the first day that we got up on her roof to 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 tear down her second story which was made out of mixed materials and stuff so it was wood and cgi metal roofing and and a cinder block wall when we first got up there there was this door that was locked and had a, a padlock around it with a chain and we were we were asking carmen do you have a key for the for the door that we can open it and she picked up a piece of like two by four that had broken off and just bashed off the lock and i was like i found it so like <laughs> i don't know as soon as you said like that that's what i thought about it was just right. common. yeah riley how about for you like who did you who who are the cast of characters that kind of stick out for you or any poignant kind of stories from your from your work we definitely had a lot of community involvement with all hands um the island was very, very thankful uh, that we had come and stayed to help and we didn't just drop some supplies off and leave. So almost every site that I worked on, the homeowner or the business owner or whoever was involved in that area was um, very involved with helping us and like Josiah said, making us food or helping us physically rebuild or take stuff down. I worked a lot with um, I, le- I worked a lot one-on-one with homeowners who would help you rummage through their belongings and say, you know, I, I would really like to keep this if possible, or I- I'm okay with getting rid of that because just all of their stuff was ruined. 
we had um, we had a taxi driver that volunteered with us. He was just a normal taxi driver on the island, but every morning he would come and pick up one of the groups of people that was going to a specific site uh, and bring them there for free. And it, it was super great to see him every morning and have his involvement with us. He was very thankful and appreciative and he made a big impact on our base because everybody loved him and everybody looked forward to seeing him in the morning. And we all knew that he was grateful and we were grateful and it really was, um, it was kind of, it was like a key factor in bringing the community and our base together because everybody in the community knew him and our base knew him. So it was definitely a inspiring part of what we did to see that he was grateful enough to come every single morning at 7 a.m. and drop us off at the site. Yeah, that's really cool. I hear that over and over with other students of mine or, or people who I've heard who've worked with All Hands is that like the communities are really appreciative of the work, which again, definitely speaks to, I think, the respectability of the organization and how they make a big effort to work alongside the community um, in, in, the, you know, in the work that they do. You know, one of the things that is also really neat, I think, is the fact that you guys kind of can go in as is and learn all sorts of new skills. And I definitely want to hear about like how how you've emotionally grown from the experience that you had. But I'm also just curious about like the actual like life skills that you gained from from this kind of manual labor and also the training that you get. So um, I don't know, Riley, what like what skill pops to mind that you can like ha- have taken home with you as far as like a uh, handyman skill or handy woman skill as it is? <laughs> I guess I guess thinking back on my experiences, I definitely have two. I remember I think it was my second work day on St. Thomas. So I was brand new and I've never, ever worked with construction or deconstruction, anything like that. And um, my friend Abby, who is a team leader as well, was was using a jigsaw and I had never even seen a jigsaw I don't think and she said hey can you do the next piece and I kind of said oh I I don't even know what that is (laughs) you might have to help me out and she gave me like an old piece of scrap wood and we sat for probably 20 minutes figuring out me figuring out her teaching me how to use a jigsaw and I I came home that day from work and I called my parents and I said, I, I can use a jigsaw. <laughs> it was, it definitely made me very proud to know that I was handling pretty big tools for someone that was not used to that kind of thing. Oh, and it's then so I guess, nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, as a, as a homeowner, like I can say that like, that is like such a cool thing to be exposed to at an early age. Cause like it will come back, it, it will come back into play. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was kind of um, a pride moment for me. Like I, I can do this too. And you know, especially being a girl, everybody is, you're, you're so looked down upon in that world of construction and doing labor and getting your hands on on tools and stuff like that so but not at all hands you know at all hands uh the girls are really really uh hard workers yeah exactly exactly they're very hard workers and they're um it it definitely gives you a sense of pride to be able to do things just like you know your dad would be able to do or your grandfather or something like that that's awesome josiah what about you what what skill comes to mind for you or skills uh, as they are (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I I went down there with kind of very limited experience with anything. I, I used to build sets at my high school for the shows, um, and then occasionally, like, I'd help my dad out. But I So I went down there with very l- limited knowledge and ended up leaving being able to 
tell you the proper consistency of concrete in order to properly slope a parapet and lay it on a roof to create a flat surface like they might do with sidewalks and um i i scraping was a big thing which i don't know how much i'm going to be able to do that but we had to scrape off roof sealant off the roofs in order to then lay down either concrete or or a properly lay down uh roof sealant um and and when you when you manage to to scrape a roof properly <laughs> you made it you would <laughs> um I, we, there are a few of us actually who now have scraper tattoos, I being one of them on my wow. left, left shoulder. Cause I'm metal. I'm very cool in that <laughs> way. <laughs> but yeah. And then, uh, from North Carolina, just doing drywall and, and learning how to muck and gut without destroying a house mm. actually, I think was a big thing. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And then like, I, I think I want to hear a little bit more about like the communities that you created with your fellow volunteers, because it is, um, it's unique, especially among opportunities for gap year students in that it's, you know, it's multi-generational, it's, it's multi-nationality, it's, it's kind of, um, it can be a wide variety. So what was it like for you to, to create communities with your volunteers, especially as people were coming and going and, um, what were those relationships like? I definitely found, um, almost a relief when I came to All Hands because I'm from a very small Massachusetts town and I went to a very small school for my first year of college and I needed um, change and I needed to be able to grow through my surroundings and becoming friends with people from England and people that were in their 60s and even like other kids that were in their late 20s or in in their early 30s it was just such a wide variety of people to get to know and stories to hear and people that are willing to listen to your story and what you've gone through it was a relief for me to see that so many people from so many different backgrounds were just like me a little bit lost and figuring out what to do and all they wanted to do was help and i built some of the strongest friendships probably in my life within just the short time that I was living there because you're so so communal in that small little base and every waking moment you're working hard with them or laughing with them or adventuring with them and Mm. the community that you create is hugely important to people like me who are healing through mental health issues and through growing pains and that kind of thing so I found it extremely extremely helpful in the long run for my mental health and my happiness. Yeah, that was, um, I don't know that I can really expand on that. That was beautifully stated, frankly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, in regards to growing pains, it was it was really helpful to see that that doesn't necessarily have, like, an end date. And that can be kind of scary, but just knowing that, like, you aren't supposed to have it figured out, like, because no one has it figured out. I think that was really important to witness. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think that um, when I talk to young people about joining an all hands project, sometimes I get a little bit of pushback about like it being too broad in like who who they would meet or like the peer group being not isolated enough into their age group. And I do think that on the other side of it, you realize like the importance of being in that situation because it is unique to have to build a community of people that you aren't your family aren't your college roommates and things like that, but are kind of a wider swath. It gives you such a, an amazing perspective on life. And um, 
and on that journey and like gaining the wisdom of someone who's in a similar life stage in that they have for whatever reason chosen to take the time to come in and volunteer but they're maybe 10 or 15 or 30 years further along that life's journey than you um i think it's kind of it's it's its own kind of therapy right guys <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> yeah. that's cool um, well, speaking of which, Riley, you've been really open about saying that, like, you were kind of working through your own struggles on your gap time. Like, how do you feel like this experience? And maybe feel free to talk about other gap year experiences you had um, that, like, fed into, like, your healing process and, and why this was a good experience for you at that moment. I, uh, I can't speak to it enough. I was really struggling after my freshman year. I had um, pretty bad depression and anxiety um, from situational things that had happened and I needed to escape the small surroundings that I was placing myself in. And coming to All Hands, I was um, I was very open with the fact that I had struggled and I was struggling and that I was here to not only help other people, but to find peace within myself. And the second I, the second I opened up about this, people from all over the world that were in this little base came to my side and said that they were going through the same thing. Like Josiah said, nobody really knows what they're doing. And it's very comforting to be surrounded by people that are maybe struggling or lost or in between jobs or in between schools. And there's always somebody with a similar situation to you and somebody that has such a different situation as you, but are feeling similar things. And to be on base with these people who are clearly well-rounded in some aspect as they're taking their time to volunteer for the less fortunate people but there there's a environment that gets created that it's like being in a bubble of peace where everybody is accepting and kind and nobody speaks badly about anybody else and nobody cares what your story is or where you're from or what you look like everybody just wants to be there to help and to be together and to create community. And f for somebody that's struggling with mental health, health issues, the only thing that you could really seek is that, a healthy community where people are caring about you and caring about one another and open about their stories. And I really do think that this was the biggest part of my healing process. And I don't think that I would be anywhere near the person that I am today if I had not traveled with all hands. It's a very powerful um, testimonial. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Josiah, like having spent like three months in one site and then another and another site and a bit of time in another site, um, what was your like emotional growth journey? I mean, obviously, like you mentioned that you became a team leader and took on leadership roles and stuff like that. Don't feel like you need to compare yourself to Riley's journey at all. But like, what was your what was like that? What was that internal journey like for you and in, in that experience? Yeah. Um... Well, actually, to straight up compare my journey to her journey, um, everything that she said uh, really struck a chord with me. Um, so thank you for sharing that as well. Um, but I think I was actually on a plane back from my college in Washington out here to Minnesota, and I was writing down kind of how I've grown because New Year's is coming up, and I was looking back on the year and my gap year, um, and... I think from doing this, I was able to grow and see that I'm able to do things physically. 
especially things that I didn't think I was able to do. Um, I, I was able to surprise myself and, and take pride in myself in something that I didn't think that I would be able to take pride in. Um, whether that is just doing this and doing disaster relief, but, but also in, in leading other people in it, right? Like I was the youngest person on base for most of the time. And by the end of my stay, I was also the longest running volunteer. So I was the longest running volunteer and I was the youngest volunteer. And to then be those two things, but also be the team leader and to be telling, like we were talking about people from so many different backgrounds and people who are like at times three times older than me, like <laughs> telling them how to do something and trying to figure out that was i don't know it's it is describable but it's kind of indescribable for me right now it's it's overwhelmingly powerful yeah and you guys are a little bit close to it too i took a gap year and i spent um about 10 months in east africa um more than 10 years ago now so it was um it was and it's still something that the like both the physical and like emotional things that I, I experienced and overcame on that time is still something that I refer to both like as far as like you know your baseline of like what you know that you can handle and like overcome and and yeah. dig into um, like those kinds of of things that happen at that formative age like really inform your ability to take on challenge and your ability to like feel confident in trying new things and stuff and that like lasts your whole life having done it early and it's it's never too late to start you know i'm sure that people who like on a whim choose to do all hands and hearts um mid midlife or later in life like can have like similar epiphanies that can still like have those impacts later on in their own lives but to do it at 18 19 20 years old um those benefits are going to like pay you out in dividend over the years so it's really neat that you had them this at this age yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So, um, you know, you touched on, I think, Riley, you mentioned that you, like, had some adventuring as well. Like, I mean, I think that sometimes people think of, like, this work as, like, you know, grueling, sweating, bandanas, like, drenched in sweat and things like that. And I know that that's part of it. Um, but you are also, like, <laughs> you also do have some time off and you're in beautiful places. So what are some of the things that you guys got to do on your off time that are notable? And, like, what should people know about, like, the free time and the fun times that you can have um, when you're not when you're not working. Uh, well, it varies from base to base. My base, we worked Monday through Friday, uh, seven through seven to four, and we had team meeting at five. And then after your meeting at night, you had free time. You could either eat dinner on base or you could go off base. Um, and then Saturdays and Sunday, you had completely off. So. There was a lot of volunteer opportunities that you could do on the weekends. I know that a lot of people helped with um, some gardens on the island and stuff like that. But you could also go off and adventure, which was really cool because a lot of the natives on the island were very appreciative of you, as I said, and gave you opportunities to adventure um, for, you know, lower costs or for free or to do stuff with them privately. A lot of my friends got to go on a homeowner's boat for the day and sail around the island. Um, I got to go scuba diving uh, for a really discounted price. Um, 
and it's really cool the things you get to do. I got to check off several things on my bucket list. We got to see, I got to see every single beach on the island. Um, I got to get on the ferry to St. John and visit some people that I had known that were over there. Lots of hiking, lots of swimming and snorkeling and exploring, getting to try all kinds of local foods. And the off time is really, really appreciated, but because obviously the work weeks are very sweaty and bandanas and hard hats and all that stuff. Um, but the off time is really appreciated and it's also really fun. Like you can really get to um, learn the island or wherever you are really, you get to learn your surroundings and try new things and meet new people and see new things. So it was really super cool, a super cool aspect of all hands for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, um, for us, we'd get back and we stayed in a church so we'd come back, and we'd go to the church, and we'd have that post-work meeting. And then some of us would go down the road to this, like, bar place called El Clasico, where they had free pool. And we'd play pool uh, well into the night, and then come back and sleep. And some people would get drinks, and they'd, they had loud music playing. And they would play, they had all these other instruments that the locals would play to, like, kind of add their own little flair to whatever song was going on. And on Fridays, they would play this, like, mashup of, like, all these, like, iconic 80s songs that were in English for us <laughs> and get really excited. And they'd, like, because they want us to dance was the big thing. So we'd all be around the pool table. They'd play the music. And they're like, come on. We're doing it's, This is your thing. We're doing your thing now. So then we'd, I've, like, I salsa danced with this late 40s Puerto Rican woman who knew what she was doing and tried to teach me and it didn't quite work and there was a much <laughs> barrier but uh she seemed to enjoy herself and i know that i did as well but yeah kind of like you said going to beaches and at one point we rented out this really all of us pitched in a little bit of money and got this airbnb in old san juan and that i think we called it like the castle because it was so <laughs> like crazy incredible but yeah just that's cool yeah Oh, guys, this is this is making me very um, it's warming my heart to hear these these stories. And also, like, I mean, just the, the talk of all the like fun things that you can do is really, I think, like icing on the cake, because like you can I think that um, one thing that people kind of don't always assume is that like there can be both. There can be like a, a total experience where like the primary objective is to go and help and serve and like um, be of service to a community. But then it's not um, you, you don't get points taken off for having fun too and like enjoying right. often especially when it's <laughs> exactly. so well deserved and you're working so hard um during the week so um so as you both know um you know taking a gap year in the states uh is still something that's a little bit of an anomaly um but it's becoming more popular and i think that like the depending on what community you're from or where you go to school and stuff everybody has a little bit of a different take on it um what um what were the what was some of the feedback that you got from friends and family when you decided to take some some gap time and like what nuggets golden nuggets of wisdom do you have for people who are currently in like the decision making process that you were once in about whether or not to take some time out and like what to do and that kind of stuff because i think that a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of taking time out um or like they're afraid to kind of go against the the collective norm which is go to college stay at college you know and then go and enter yeah. the workforce and work till you die kind of thing um 
So what would you counter? Like, what, what what kinds of things do you feel like you would have wanted to hear that would have made you feel more confident in your decision and, and that kind of thing? I, when I made the decision to take, I only took a gap semester, but, you know, I took some gap time. Sure. Um, when I made that decision, my parents were not very happy with me. Um, they're very educationally driven, and I'm very close with my parents. I love them to death. And they said, you know, you have to pay for this. This is your decision, so you need to make it all happen. Um, and I said, okay, I, I'll tell you off in a year. I'll, I'll be right. I'll be right. And they were very skeptical of the whole thing. Um, and I was told by one of my, the same doctor that recommended All Hands and Hearts to me that she she was very supportive of me and said that she had taken seven years off of college. She went to college for two years and took some time off. And she said, and I'm very successful. I'm a, I'm a doctor. So you can go tell your parents that. <laughs> and um, that's probably exactly what I needed to hear. And once I got back, you know, my parents were very proud of me. And I had committed to college for the spring semester. I had taken the fall semester off. And I was committed to going back to a new college in the spring. And um, that that was my little golden nugget. You know, I'm a doctor yeah. and I, I took seven years off. And so I, I knew that it was going to be OK because, well, I didn't really want to be a doctor, but I could still do something successful. And that was huge for me because I didn't know anybody else that had taken a gap year. And I was scared for sure. But I knew that it was the right decision for me. And in the end, it, it couldn't have I couldn't have made a better decision. Mm. Yeah, Josiah, yeah, what about I, you? I think. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do either, which was a big part of why I did the gap year was, um, because of the, the unknown scary. Um, and I think in, in, especially in doing something as basic as just helping other people in, in just a base level of getting them back into homes, right? Like in seeing what other people want, you can kind of figure that out yourself and, in the case of All Hands and Hearts, what I wanted was helping other people get what they wanted. And that was a big thing. Um, and and kind of from, from that, I was able to discover and channel that, like like I said at the beginning of, of the podcast, I was upset that people weren't doing anything right. And I discovered that what I really have wanted to be is an advocate for other people and help other people get what they want. Um, so I e either want to be a teacher or an immigration lawyer to try to help what's going down in, at the border. Um, but one way or another, I'm going to be an advocate of some sort, I think. Mm. Yeah, the space to kind of think about what you want to do and how you can have a positive impact on the world is so amazing. And it's, it's funny because I've never heard anybody who's taken any amount of gap time who's regretted it or thought it was a waste or didn't get something really, really powerful out of it. So it, it, do, it does still boggle the mind a little bit as to why it's not more of a common, um, a commonplace opportunity. But I think that we're, we're kind of moving in that direction. I think that people are becoming so much more open-minded about the different ways that you can learn about yourself or get an education that's not necessarily in a formal classroom that can then make your formal classroom learning that much more impactful. So very cool. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Absolutely. Something I heard was to look out for, like don't do the gap year because you'll lose, lose scholarships. And I think it's important to know that that isn't how that works and that you can just defer for a year. Like, cause mm -hmm. I applied for college and got in and then deferred 
my scholarship as well as my acceptance for a year and then went off and did all hands and everything else that I did. So I think that's important to know as well. Yeah, for sure. I didn't lose any scholarships either. I um, had was given some scholarships out of high school for in-state schools and I chose to not go in-state my first year. And then once I returned this year, um, I did go to an in-state school and I still had all of those scholarships waiting for me and I um, still utilize them. So it's definitely important to know that you can still get scholarships. Definitely. You guys are hitting all of the points about like how financially accessible a gap year can be if you are, you know, in the position where you, you, you're able to take you're, you're college bound and you're in a position to be college bound and you need to take a gap year or gap time for a lower cost and you need to make sure that your scholarship money is, is taken care of as well and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's certainly possible. And I think that people it's great that you guys are helping other people know about that. So and thank you so much for being on the show. This was this was really wonderful. Thank yeah, you so much for having us. Yeah. We usually end the podcast with um, a, like kind of a, a goodbye in a foreign language. Obviously, um, you know, Spanish for, for Puerto Rico. But I, we sometimes try to dig a little bit deeper and maybe get a little bit of slang, like a slang goodbye in there. I'm also curious mm-hmm. if in the USVI there was like a um, some sort of, of – um, colloquial you know chow kind of uh, of goodbye that that maybe local said so think about that for a second i'm just going to do a little bit of an outro for everybody because it's important that people know where to find us all um you can find all hands and hearts at allhandsandhearts.org and on instagram and facebook and all those places and you can find gap your radio on instagram and facebook at gap your radio or online at gap your radio podcast.com um, you can email us your gap your questions or comments at gapyourradio at gmail.com. And you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, the most important nugget is that you, if you did like this podcast, that you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover the show. All right, guys, you had a, a couple seconds there to think of your goodbyes. <laughs> what do you have for me? <laughs> In St. Thomas, they always said good afternoon or good night. So <laughs> <laughs> Simple and effective. <laughs> yeah. In Puerto Rico, they didn't put S's at the end of your words. So just adio as opposed to adios. That's awesome. I haven't heard that. Well, thank you and adio, both of you. (laughs) Adio. (laughs) Adio.